0: I want to speak today on 10 words to transform your year. Paul writes in Romans 12:12, 12, 12, "Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer." Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 10 words to transform your year. Be joyful in hope. What does it mean to be joyful in hope? Well, I think I'm often tempted to do it the other way around. I look at my circumstances, look at what's going on in my life, work out how I feel about that. And then that's the level at which I'm prepared to be hopeful about what might happen in the future. But the difficulty with that at the moment is that there are a lot of frustrations and challenges out there. And if you look at your circumstances at the moment, you don't necessarily feel joyful at all. There are big things going on. There are businesses on the brink. There are jobs in jeopardy. Lots of us have lost loved ones and I was speaking just last week to a nurse who was just saying how frustrating it is, day in, day out, to be wearing full PPE all this time and just going through your normal day to day. Those are the big things. And then there are little things of like the, the kind of not knowing one week to the next what you're going to be allowed to do or what you're not going to be allowed to do. Sometimes finding it confusing what the rules actually are and not knowing how long it's going to go on for. I was walking one of my daughters to school the other day and she said, Daddy, what what if it's not six months? What if it's like the Second World War and it goes on for six years? And I was like, Oh, oh, don't worry, it's not going to go on for six years. And as I was walking back, I was thinking, what if she's right? What if this does go on for six years? I can't deal with this for six years. And so at the moment, if you're looking at your circumstances, it's easy to feel kind of frustrated and disappointed. If your joy is dependent on your circumstances, it's always going to be limited by them. Paul says, be joyful in hope. The joy you feel isn't the source of the hope that you have. The hope you have is the thing that stirs up joy within you and that makes a really big difference. I wanted to be a barrister because I really cared about justice and I had the opportunity to do like a year-long job interview with the potential of being a barrister at the end of it and I was so excited about this I thought it was a great opportunity on my first day I couldn't wait I I picked my suit carefully I picked my tie carefully I kind of I was ready to see justice enacted I'd seen the films I knew how it worked I couldn't wait to get into court I was like springing into the office on my first day and I turned up and they said hi you're new nice to meet you and I said hi and they said well we need your help right away we've got a case we need you to work on I was like great I followed them through they show me to this room in this room there were just files everywhere all over the place and they said as you can see it's quite a big case I was like yeah I can see that and they said and, and we really need your help with it I was like great and they said what we most need in this moment is for every piece of paper in this room to be to be photocopied five times and I was like yeah yeah we should we should find someone to do that and they said what well, well actually Steve we were kind of hoping that you would do that and I was like Oh, uh, yes, yes, okay. And I spent the next few days dragging these files from this room to the photocopier and then pulling the paper out of the files and then putting it in the photocopier and then just going, just like, paper after paper after paper. At one point I was like, how many times can a photocopy a flash in your eyes before it starts to become a health risk? I was like, this is not what I had in mind. This is not what I envisaged my first few days at work to be. And people were kind of walking past me and they're saying, oh, hi, you're the new guy. Glad to see you're getting stuck in. See you in a bit. I'm just off to court. And I was like, take me to court. Don't leave me here. I don't want to be stuck here. And this joy, this kind of frustration and disappointment was rising up within me. And the thing that made the difference was that I still had the hope of becoming a barrister and I could see the kind of what a joy it would be in the future to be able to invest my life in making a difference for people and actually seeing justice come for people and the joy of that in the future, it was almost like I was able to reach into the future and pull a bit of a joy into the present and rub that joy into my disappointment and my frustration and so even as I pressed this button thousands and thousands of times I was able to do so with a smile on my face because of the joy that was ahead of me and the hope that I felt. And that makes a difference. It makes a real difference. And you might, at the moment, look at your circumstances. There's not much to be joyful about. I don't have much hope. But if you can look ahead to the hope you have in Jesus and pull some of that hope into your present circumstances and rub it into your disappointment and rub it into your frustration, then you might find that joy starts to rise up within you. Look at Jesus. Jesus lived a life where he was hated by some, misunderstood by most and loved by just a few. He knew how his life was going to end, what it would cost him on the cross and he didn't harden his heart or detach himself or disengage from the suffering and trouble of life and neither did he allow it to steal his joy. I love the bit in Luke 10 where it says Jesus rejoiced with great joy even in the midst of the day-to-day and the challenges. He rejoiced with great joy because he knew where he was headed and he knew his name was honoured in heaven. And even the night before he died he was able to celebrate Passover with his friends and to enjoy it, knowing that at the table was someone who was going to betray him in a few hours, knowing that in just a few hours he'd be facing the greatest test, the greatest challenge of his entire life. And he was able to do that because of the joy that was set before him, because of his hope of what lay in the future, what he knew he would see come to pass, he, because of His hope, because he knew what he would achieve through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus died for your sins. He rose for your justification. He ascended into heaven, and he will come again on the final day. If you know him, you will be with him. Jesus is gonna restore justice in this world. He's gonna bring restoration and hope to this earth. And when he returns and we come to be with him, all of the trouble and frustration of this life is gonna fade away like shadows at daybreak. Troubles are temporary. Frustrations are fleeting. Even disappointments can't survive. But joy is eternal. Hope is eternal. The the greatest antidote to earthly trouble is eternal security. The security of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour and knowing that when he has taken hold of you, he's not going to let go of you. You can trust him because you have hope and a future. Be joyful in hope pull some of that joy into your day and rub it into your disappointments and frustrations be joyful in hope and then be patient in affliction to be patient here means to 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 kind of have an active stance to be steadfast in the midst of trouble and affliction and the word for affliction it means almost to, to be crushed it's like the pressure that they used to crush grain and and to to crush and squeeze grain and sometimes it can feel like that, like the pressure is increasing and I'm feeling a bit squeezed and it's it's so hard to be patient just in normal life. I am naturally a very, very impatient person. I find it hard to sit still, I find it hard not to be moving at a hundred miles an hour. And there's lots about the world at the moment that that kind of confirms me in my impatience. One click shopping, you know, having any box set or film available at the press of a button. Everything on demand. It's like I can do whatever I want at any time I want. It's all there, ready, now, waiting for me. And that kind of confirms me, almost like reinforces the impatience that I have within me. It makes it quite hard to be patient. And it's even harder to be patient in affliction. I don't want to be patient in affliction. You know, I had a plan for this year. This was not it. This was not how this year was supposed to go. This was not the way my plan looked. This is not what I had in mind. And it's hard to have that illusion of control shattered. It's hard to be patient in this context. But troubles teach you things about yourself that nothing else will. And suffering has a way of slowing you down and it helps you to appreciate things that I might miss in the impatience of my life. This this time last year, Beth's mum, Sarah, her cancer came back for the third time and she started treatment and then in December she she had to stop treatment and we knew we didn't have long. And so we spent uh, some time with her and there were two days in particular where we spent the whole day with her and both days, there was an hour in the afternoon where it was just Sarah and me, and we, we sat by the fire and just chatted quietly uh, for a little bit of time. And as we did that, in the, I was so struck as she was in the midst of her affliction, you know, near the end of her life, facing you know, real pain and the struggle and sadness of all of that. I was so struck by her gentleness and her warmth and her kindness and how she was interested in others and still putting other people first. She was patient in her affliction, she was standing firm even in the midst of that because she knew there was one who was standing with her in the fire, standing alongside her, she knew Jesus Christ. And actually I will never forget the last time I spoke to Sarah, it was a FaceTime call from the hospice and I'd just finished uh, speaking in church. And she said, how did it go, Steve? How, how did your talk go? And I said, oh, thanks, sir. I, I, think, I think it went okay. I think, I think it went well. And she said, did, did people become Christians? And I said, I said, yes, yes, they did. And she said, wonderful. And that was the last thing that Sarah ever said to me. You know, Even in the moment of her greatest trial, she had her eyes fixed on Jesus and she was desperate for people to know him. That's patience in affliction. And to be patient here means to stand firm. And you might say, well, this isn't going to be the best year of my life. You know, I haven't, don't feel like I'm doing much. I don't feel like I'm advancing. I don't feel like I'm achieving anything this year. I'm not sure it's the best year of my life. Well, it might not be the best year in your life but it can be a year in which you stand firm and actually that's okay. Sometimes it's a lot to stand firm in the midst of affliction. It's a lot to be patient in the midst of affliction and that's okay. It might not be the best year in your life but it can be a year in which you stand firm and are patient in affliction. Be patient in affliction and then be faithful in prayer. I find it fascinating that in the hours before Jesus went to the cross he prayed and he could have done anything the middle of the night and he is there with his father praying not my will be done but yours be done trusting in his father pouring out his heart to his father and I actually normally sleep uh, pretty well I I think Beth would say I, I probably sleep slightly too well I haven't always heard are babies when they've woken up in the night. But I think since the last seven months with the kind of back-to-back Zoom calls and the change in routine and and spending a lot of time working in one room, working from home, it's almost like it's slightly disrupted my sleep rhythm. And a few times recently I've noticed that I'm seeing a bit more of the night. I don't know if you've ever had this where you kind of, you like open your eyes and it's like, oh it's midnight and then it's like, oh it's 1am and then you're like, oh it's 2am and then you're like, Is it closer now to the morning or is it closer to when I went to bed, I can't really remember, I've lost my sense of what time it is. And what I normally do in those circumstances is I try and turn my worries into prayers, I try and turn the things I'm worried about over to God. But at the moment, for whatever reason, I find when I do that, I start thinking about those things more and then I feel more awake and it doesn't really help. So I, what I'm trying to do, and I want to be faithful and prayer, so what I'm trying to do instead is I'm trying to think of people I know who are going through a really difficult time, people I know who are struggling, and I try and bring them and their cares and their concerns to God. You know, people I really care about and I, I would love something to shift in their circumstances or God, God to move something in their lives and what I find for whatever reason is as I start to do that I feel a new peace and eventually I fall asleep and I don't know what's going on in your life at the moment, I don't know if you've experienced anything like that but what I do know is that Jesus who interceded with the Father before he went to the cross is interceding on your behalf, even today. He is at the right hand of the Father, praying, interceding, your faithful Savior, faithfully praying for you. And I know that when you open your mouth to prayer, your voice is never alone. Your voice joins with the voice of Jesus who is praying even now for you. You never pray on your own. Jesus is already praying for you. And that makes a massive difference be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And as the Holy Spirit stirs up those words in our hearts and our lives, who knows what might happen the rest of this year. In Jesus' name, Amen.